I've been playing in the dirt, snow castles and mudslides, waiting for the tide to turn, waiting for what was to burn, tiptoeing on the edge of crazy. In the new world, no one's gonna come save me. We can no longer do what no longer aligns. Our tiptoeing morphs into stomping, shaking the ground. We can play the role of the guru or the clown. Did you hear that sound? It was my body rising from the dirt. It was petals blossoming open, rivers of chocolate and streams of gold. To be in your magic, bitch, you gotta be bold. The masses will call when crazy, when one starts to elevate or one starts to telepathically communicate. We skate between wearing costumes of consumption and being gods. Hey, come here. Come here. Follow me into the astral realm. Sparkles of drool on the sides of the mouth. A phone booth time machine. Our love is locked in another dimension. Listen, this bag of dried herb is my crystal ball. The machine's enemy is magic. The machine's goal is to tear us apart. Circles intensify the supernatural. Locked hands create portals. The warrior's best defense is knowing exactly what he wants. The warrior's best defense is knowing exactly what she wants. My nipples only get hard when I drink tequila and hear the truth. Trauma holds the golden keys to our superpowers. Right now, our country is being traumatized. Right now, our communities are being traumatized. And we should only do whatever the fuck we want. The stories of these times will be read as erotica. The circus freaks are my kin. And we will shapeshift into a new existence. I'm an insane, sexual, shadow witch, and my name is Lacey Free, and I'm the fucking host of Horrorpod. Welcome 
to whore pod, you sweet magic beans. I'm back, baby. Whore pod is back. I've been tucked safely deep in the Rocky Mountains cocooning in some pretty big isolation at times. In the darkness of winter, the darkness of death energy. And oh, hallelujah, spring has sprung. And it's time for the light to shine on our bodies again. It's time we shine a light on the parts of ourselves that are bright. And now I feel it's a time to focus on our gifts, our talents. The new moon is this week, and we are in Aries season, baby. Aries season. The time of fucking and the time of fighting. When I picture Aries season in my mind's eye, I see this ginormous flame in the throat chakra, and it's like, time to be bold, bitches. Time to speak your magic, witches. Time to open up that beautiful throat chakra. Let's open it up to deep throat or to speak our truth or both. Now, wow. Over here in the Rocky Mountains, the spring equinox is the time that the bears wake up from hibernation and they're going to be starving, hungry, ravenous. And I think that there is a part of our bodies that's very linked to animalistic nature. And as we come into spring, we might find that some of our energies are more hungry, ravenous, seeking passion, seeking blood flow, getting our circulation going, hyping ourselves up, hyping each other up. I was lucky enough this winter to get glimpses of wildlife from mountain lions to moose to little cute bobcats. And... The cool thing about witches is they're deeply connected to the earth as goddess and that we follow the earth's cycles within our own bodies. And the winter is the time of death and the spring is the time of fertility, of passion, of birth, starting anew, becoming invigorated. And... Aries is the energy of fire, creation, fighting, building. We, we fight and we have motivation from the same place in our body, and that's the liver. The organ that holds our motivation is the liver. It also holds our passion, our anger, our rage, and it can be motivation for sexual energy but if our liver is bogged down with toxins or clogged up stagnant or fatty liver it might be hard to tune into some of that motivational creative energy 
and some people like to fast to clear their liver um I really like burdock root right now I think it's really helping my liver chicory root dandelion root it's a good time right now to love on the liver um but also if if you've gone on a bender or have damaged your liver at all you might find that it's harder to stimulate yourself sexually or to reach orgasm and clearing a liver can automatically help bring healing to our sexual energy or if you're in a creative rut it's really cool to tap into the energy of the liver especially with chicory root and I like to do it as tea and sometimes I mix chicory root with dandelion root just make sure that the roots you're using are organic now holy smokes babies holy smokes we're in this energy of fight and fuck fight and fuck and i think we're all waking up right now in new ways and in ways we never saw coming and sometimes waking up is a double-edged sword because we wake up and we feel more enlightened or we feel like oh shit i see the matrix and i'm gonna live outside of the matrix i am going to be a manifester that creates my own reality and sometimes we do that with the same thinking that we had to use to survive in the matrix and this thinking is very much based on external authority and rules and ideas of what is right what is wrong and part of when we wake up i fall into this everyone falls into this we start charting and organizing goods and bads And part of doing that, we start labeling energies as toxic and some of our own emotions as toxic or our own fantasies as toxic. And it's like a dam of this creative flow at times, this energy of, oh, that's toxic. So I'm just going to stop it there. It stops the conversation. When someone says, oh, she's toxic or that's a toxic relationship where that man is being toxic then we just automatically write them off it's like the beginning of cancel culture and that's dangerous because when we start labeling things as toxic then we don't have the opportunity to explore the magic that comes with toxicity every toxin also brings its medicine every poison has medicine to it so if someone is toxic or you you were toxic or there's toxins in your physical body there's also medicine within that i think we hear the words fight or violence and we think that is toxic and we shut it down as soon as 
the question of violence or fighting rises in conversation, we say, nope, that is toxic. But fighting, fighting, that's deeply a part of the human experience. We all have higher beings and higher selves that chose to incarnate in these funny, silly little avatars for the human experience to learn emotion, to learn how to alchemize energies. And when we look at violence or we look at fighting and say, that is the other, that is bad, that is not a part of me, I think that we are deeply depriving ourselves of our own creativity, of our own expansion. When we identify with violence and fighting in the world around us, it gives us an opportunity to look at ourselves from more perspectives, from a different lens. Fighting is part of our survival. And right now, the internet is flooded with memes that say, violence is never the answer. Violence is never the answer. Well, violence is the answer in our reality at times. I'm not saying it's a right answer or it's a good answer. But we have this notion in our country, especially in the United States, of outsourcing our violence, of pretending like violence doesn't exist in our own body and calling the cops so that they're violent for us. Calling on Marvel or action movies to get our thrill of the violence or we secretly go on Pornhub and watch violent sex and pretend to ourselves that we are not violent as well. Violence is an action and an energy. Love is an action and an energy. I'm not saying accept violence in your life. And I'm not saying that we have to enact on every violent thought we may have, but violence comes in many forms. We have violent thoughts about our own bodies. I definitely do. I have horribly mean, violent thoughts that I tell myself sometimes. And I will watch as a person who tries to be awake, who tries to be conscious. Clearly, I fail at that a lot, but there is an energy of trying. And as I try to be awake in this game, there are times where I have subconscious violent thoughts to myself. And then I'll notice if I have, if I'm lucky enough to notice, because sometimes those thoughts are so common, we don't even realize when we're being violent with ourselves. But sometimes when I notice I'm being violent in my own thoughts, my external reality will reflect that violence that I just thought about myself. Meaning, 
I'll be like, God, Lacey, you're so fucking gross. You look so bad in this outfit. You shouldn't go in public today because you're monstrous. I know when I say stuff like that, it hurts people to hear me even think like that to myself. And why does it hurt you guys to know that I have those personal thoughts about my own body? Because those thoughts are violent. And when I think them, I believe we live in a holographic experience that reflects this internal reality of our own thoughts. So when I think like that, things will kind of start fucking up that feel random to me. Like my car will break down or I'll trip and fall. And I remember my mom was very woo, but she used the word God a lot. My mom used to tell me that God gives us attitude adjustments. That when we have certain thoughts about ourselves that don't align with reality, reality will glitch. And it's God stepping in and having us take a closer look. So my, my mom would call it God giving me an attitude adjustment. Like if I was really rude to her or if I spoke bad about myself or said everything sucks or I'm bored or this is stupid, it felt like, boom, my external reality would reflect those thoughts and words I was saying. And my mom would be like, this is an attitude adjustment from God. This is the environment in which you're creating that's sort of slapping you out upside the head. Not as punishment, but to say, look around you. Look around you, Lacey. Are, you, are your words matching your actions right now? Are your desires matching your actions? So this energy of fight is very close to the energy of love, of sex. And when I say it's close to it, I'm not saying that they're one and the same. We have physiological responses within our body when we fight. And we have physiological responses in our body when we make love. And now this is, an ex- is not an excuse for abuse or unjust behavior. But I think it's important that we start honoring and acknowledging every aspect of us and not as shadow work, not as these quarks of ourself that we don't really like and we try to shove in the corner of our bodies or the shadows we shove in the corner of our rooms. And then only take out when we're doing cool, trendy, spiritual shadow work with our spiritual friends. No, the shadow is always there. It's always there. Even when we call in the light. When the light is brightest, the shadow is the biggest. And they work together. It's not one or the other. It's together. And fighting can be a form of intimacy. Fighting can be a form of intimacy. But we say fighting is bad, fighting is toxic. But fighting can actually be healing when we fight with respect, when we fight with compassion for the other person. 
And that doesn't mean that we necessarily even hold that compassion and respect in the moment. But every human, every human is going to fight with each other or get annoyed with each other or irritated with each other. And how do we hold the space of fighting and conflict in a way that there can be resolved? I think the healthiest relationships are the ones where you can fight and really be like, fuck you and be brutally honest and passionate. And then you can come together and have truthful resolve. Now, the human, when we stare into each other's eyes the longest is when we are about to fuck or it's when we're about to fight. And eye contact is so important for this human experience. And we're kind of taught to be overstimulated by the matrix so that we're looking at our phones or looking around the room or paying attention to the song that's playing on the radio. And in all this extra stimulus of screens, it takes away from the time that we're staring into each other's windows of the soul. And eye gazing or eye contact is such a spiritual experience because the eyes are the window to the soul. But also when we stare into each other's eyes, our brains synchronize with one another. There was a Japanese study done in the Journal of Neuromassy that states that eye contact synchronizes the brain between two individuals. So there's this energy of coming back into one. The study suggested that the mutual eye contact binds two people into a singular connected system. So when we are in the womb, we are connected to the mother. We are one with another and we come out of the womb and it's traumatizing in ways and it seems to me that humans have this subconscious desire to come back in to one another to merge each other's bodies again for this greater spiritual feeling of oneness the law of one And sometimes when we fight, there's this deep feeling of frantic separation. Sometimes when people fight, there's an energy of breaking down or emotional panic. And oftentimes that emotional panic is connected to fear of abandonment, a fear of isolation. It's shown study after study that all addiction is connected to trauma and that trauma a result of most traumas are a fear of abandonment and a fear of isolation because the last thing we want as humans while we're here is to be truly othered or separate And that's part of our hyper fixation on sex. 
on porn, on sex addiction. And I think it's bigger than like who has the nicest ass or a great cock. It's how do I not feel so alone? How do I feel a sense of spiritual peace of being inside another, of another being inside me? And when we fight, there's an extreme urge to fuck. And I think sometimes that can be really confusing to people. And instead of unpacking it or diving deeper, we feel like, oh man, we must just be toxic. I know I've done sex sessions with people or sex readings for people. And I've talked to women who tell me, When their partner starts screaming at them, they get really wet. They get really turned on. It's, I think it's healthy and natural to get in arguments with your partner as long as, you know, you don't degrade or or humiliate each other without consent. Humiliation, I just talked about this on my Patreon, um, Humiliation can be a really cool part of sexual exploration, but when we're doing it to just hurt or to take someone's power, that's a little different. But the actual energy of fighting can really turn us on, but there's scientific reasons as to why. The matrix thrives by making us separate machines separate isolated entities and magic thrives when we come together when we hold hands when we gather in circle when we share eye contact when we telepathically communicate that exaggerates the magic And then when we are isolated, separated, and in the energy of our own machine, that enhances the energy of the 3D, the energy of the matrix. And sometimes when we fight with each other, especially if we're people who it hasn't been safe for us to be vulnerably loved, if it's not safe for you to receive receive help, receive gifts, receive pleasure, then you might subconsciously be seeking your intimacy through conflict, through fighting with the other. And that can be really damaging on our life. I've been in really damaging relationships where we were the most vulnerable and intimate with each other when we were fighting because sometimes and you'll see this with kids right if they're not getting the proper nurturing and love and attention that they personally need they'll start acting out and why do they act out they throw a fit they break something they they steal they're just doing things to get in trouble and everyone says Oh, that kid's just doing it for attention. Yes. Yes. Oh, that person pretended to commit suicide for attention. 
Yes, we all need attention. Every being here needs attention. Attention is the highest form of currency. And if you've lived in a state where wasn't authentic love accessible to you, you will seek out fighting as a form of attention. Why? Because attention, what's another word for getting attention? It's intimacy. It's having someone's eyes on you. Attention is being seen. Sometimes attention is being held. But if you have a family who doesn't know how to love, then sometimes the only attention you can get is through fighting, is through conflict. And and what happens to our bodies when we're fighting? We usually will put our phones down, we'll shut the TV off, and people will look directly at you. And even though it may be negative, that may be the first time you're really getting that eye contact you're really being seen even if you're being screamed at there's still a connection between you and the person screaming at you that creates a a bond and yes is it a trauma bond absolutely and this episode isn't pro trauma bonds but I think it's important that we sort of unpack and understand that fighting and violence is a part of us and how can we fight better? How can we resolve conflict better? When we feel like we're about to die and then we don't, there's this subconscious urge to create and find life in a quick way to get the creation juices flowing again. So if you're with a partner and you guys are just screaming at each other and say it's not like a super violent relationship, but you you are screaming at each other, you get emotional, you want to cry, and there is this this deeper fear of being left by your partner, you guys breaking up. That fear of it being over is a fear of death a fear of loss of this relationship, a fear of this relationship dying or taking another form. And that energy will subconsciously create a urge or a surge to procreate, to fuck. So it's like why we get so horny sometimes after we fight. It's because there was a threat of death energy and whenever there's a threat of death energy we naturally have an urge to create historically when there are wars going on sexual energy plays a huge part in war there was a madam from new orleans who was interviewed around world war one and she said i've noticed it before the idea of war and dying makes a man raunchy. It wasn't really about pleasure at times, but this extreme need to have sex, a kind of nervous breakdown that could only be treated with a woman to come into. And it's also said that all forms of sex increase in times of war. So there's a huge increase of heteronormative sex 
and homosexual sex from all genders. And one thing we don't talk about in war is the energy of sex. And I think we know that sex has been used as a weapon in war that um, tragically, deeply tragically, soldiers have gone into other countries and raped women and children and other men in these other countries, American soldiers and foreign soldiers. And sexual violence comes with physical violence in times of war. But the part we don't talk about or hear about is the sexual power in war and how we can use feminine sexuality as a weapon of our own protection. Josephine Baker, oh, the beautiful and magnificent Josephine Baker. She was one of labeled one of the first black superstars in the world and she was known for her extreme beauty and her divine sexuality josephine baker was recruited by the french military intelligence agency as an honorable correspondent in the war Baker would attend parties and she would gather information on the Italian embassy without raising suspicion. And the men, the Italian men who were fighting with the French, would let their guard down with such a beautiful, divine, feminine power. And it was said that her sexuality made her one of the greatest spies. And... The Italian soldiers didn't think twice about telling Josephine Baker how they planned on conquering France. She even got close to their weapons. She got their secrets. And this, she kind of became a sort of trailblazer in using sex in an act of war. And it's really interesting, in modern times, right now in Ukraine, Russian soldiers are trying to match with people on Tinder. So soldiers are going into this country and matching on Tinder, trying to hook up with women. And from my knowledge, from what I read on the internet, Always fact check me, okay? I'm just rambling and channeling over here. So, yeah, you're you're the expert, not me. But from my understanding, Ukrainian women are catfishing men on Tinder, pretending like they want to hook up with them so that they can get them for intel and russian soldiers are being trapped by these women pretending like they are going to have sex with them another way they are finding soldiers on the ground is some of the soldiers have left their grinder app on so the grinder is tracking the locations of the soldiers in their positioning. And 
similar to what Josephine Baker did by holding parties and cabarets for the soldiers fighting her country. Some Ukrainian women are doing that, from what I hear, and they're pretending to have romantic partnerships with these men so that these men confess what is going on in the war. And there was all this sort of propaganda art in World War One and World War Two, where it said, shh, don't tell her. She'll know. You might think you're having a casual conversation with a beautiful woman, but she'll remember all the words you say as sort of a hush-hush warning not to get too close, not to get too vulnerable to the beautiful women, and to be careful with who you're sleeping with at night. Wars are also really known to lift social taboo. Men during war see prostitutes, with and without military blessings, and sometimes from relationships with local women. So during war, there's there's times of heightened sexual activity. Business increases for sex work in times of war. But there are also times like it was documented in World War One, where it was first coined as sexual hunger. It was said that soldiers would have very few outlets for their sexual energy and sex hunger would come over them on a massive scale. And it was sort of this oppressive sexual starvation. And it said that all the men had to stay in very close quarters together. And many of them were married or had wives and there was a lot of homophobic energy so they didn't jump in bed right away together but often um, soldiers there have been documented acts of soldiers having sex with one another because this extreme need for touch and intimacy is natural but in world war one it was said that they stopped masturbating because they were in such close quarters sleeping together just sleeping but it said that the soldiers would be found in foxholes masturbating and that masturbation went from the extreme of nobody masturbating because they were afraid to being seen to a bunch of soldiers masturbating in public and it said that there was an increase of beast having sex with animals sorry i can't talk there was an increase of homosexuality and prostitution alike and it says that the sex hunger in world war one contributed greatly to dehumanizing effects so because no one wanted to talk about how sex is a a part of the human experience and when we fight we actually get more hungry for sex no one knew how to talk about that or how to make space for that within war we taught the soldiers how to fight but we didn't teach them how to have sex when they left their wives or their country or their partners at home and by not having a safe place or an outlet for sex 
the soldiers started acting in extreme dehumanizing sexual ways, like having sex with animals or sexual assault on the people of the the place that they were fighting against. Sex was so rampant that condoms had to be rationed in World War II. And only four per man, four condoms per man per month. And the medical officers considered this entirely inadequate. In 1945, a U.S. Army survey revealed the level of promiscuity among troops was higher than officially admitted and rates rose in direct proportion to the amount of time that the men had spent overseas. Sex became a commodity to be traded for the necessities of life. We don't talk about how brave sex workers play a role in every world war and that they are sort of a backbone of war. We also don't talk about how whenever we fight, whether it's a small argument with our friends or family or an extreme fight, every time we fight, it increases our hormones. And a lot of our sexual energy is reliant on our hormonal makeup. When we fight, our hormones feel it. Testosterone in the body spikes. When we fight, adrenaline in the body spikes. And cortisol in the body spikes. Every body, no matter what gender you are, you have testosterone in your body. You have adrenals in your body and cortisol and testosterone is known to be a hormone that makes us horny if we have low testosterone it's harder to be horny say we fight someone well it's gonna give us a flood of testosterone testosterone is a very motivating aggressive hormone And then it's going to flood us with cortisol. Cortisol is that fight or flight. And as soon as we get a flood of cortisol, there's this natural inclination to get rid of the cortisol afterwards. So if we're in a huge fight and our cortisol gets spiked, we might really crave love after that or connection, or a hug, or cuddling, or caressing, or sexual pleasure. And by receiving sexual pleasure after a fight, it decreases that cortisol. It decreases testosterone. And that cortisol decreases because of the hormone oxytocin. Oxytocin is known as the love hormone and when we touch or cuddle or orgasm it gives us a surge of oxytocin touch provides that oxytocin and so our hormones crave that sex because it helps sort of bring balance to our hormonal structure 
and it creates an equilibrium within our body. So you think about people who are in war or soldiers. They're just constantly at these spiked levels of cortisol. They're at spiked levels of testosterone. I've been using the word man a lot when I'm talking about soldiers, but all genders go to war. All genders are soldiers. So even women fighting war might have definitely will have elevated cortisol and testosterone because those are the fight hormones. If we physically fight, our hormones change. Our biochemistry changes. If we live a loving life, our biochemistry changes. When our biochemistry changes, our physical appearance changes. Our thoughts change. Our desires change. So even women who are fighting war might experience elevated levels of testosterone and see that in their physical appearance, even if they don't really want to. So they might be in a state of fight or flight and not get a regular period because they have elevated levels of cortisol or testosterone. They might find that they are getting a mustache or some hair on their face. This is a sign of elevated cortisol or elevated testosterone in the body. And it's no shame on them. Our bodies are so cool and they they morph to survive. We came here to survive, to morph, to expand. And it's our way of expanding. If you're someone who grew up with a lot of fighting in your house, like your parents would fight with each other or there was just like a lot of infighting within the family dynamic, then you might be someone where you notice that your hormones are out of whack. You might have uh, trouble getting hard or erectile dysfunction because erectile dysfunction is affected by testosterone or you might be overly horny because you have such a um, urge and surge of testosterone in the body and you're you're used to this fighting chaos and we use sex and masturbation as a way to cope with trauma it's self-soothing and that is not necessarily a bad thing the relief of an orgasm and sexual pleasure increases the serotonin and dopamine within our body and it balances our adrenal glands sometimes we cope with trauma by sexually pleasuring ourselves And that sexual pleasure that increases the serotonin, the dopamine, and balances the adrenals. And it's a a form of escape. And it's a form of self-receiving. So that's not a bad thing. I used to think something was wrong with me because I would masturbate a lot when there was fighting in my family. And... If I would get screamed at during the day, I remember profusely masturbating at night 
because it was a way to self-soothe my own body. And masturbation can be a way to transmute and transform trauma. And sure, there's ways you can do it that are more imbalanced or compulsive. And that can lead into some unhealthy coping mechanisms. But there also is a way to cope with trauma or with chaos or drama through sexual pleasure. And it's a very beautiful gift I believe we have from the universe. And if if you are someone who grew up in childhood abuse or around a lot of fighting, that that spike of fight or flight hormones may have affected your development. You may have gotten booze when you were really young or your period when you were really young or you may um, become premenopausal early in life and that can be tied back to childhood trauma or your inner child that hasn't really got to heal that fight or flight in the body. There's always a way to tap into our sexual power and into our sexual magic as a form of spiritual protection, as a weapon for the greater good, or as a tool to build our own realities, being that sex is the creation energy. In the United States, there was a group of women called the Victory Girls. And Victory Girls gave out free sex to soldiers who were going off to war as their patriotic duty. This was pretty known. And in some ways, this was widely accepted. And then other ways, it was completely hush-hush. This was during World War II when the Victory Girls existed with fewer opportunities than their male counterparts to partake in the excitement of wartime mobilization, many young women would travel to various encampment or port areas seeking intimate encounters with men in uniform. So these women were encouraged to believe in America their country and they wouldn't let them go off and fight war so they brought them to these poor areas where they would give sexual favors i like this story but i don't know for sure that these women were really consenting and something that irks me about it is that they did it for free for free i mean soldiers don't even do it for free right Like, they don't fight for free, so why was the feminine patriotic duty for free? I just think it's the energy exchange is important. The behavior of the Victory Girls was hardly new. So-called patriotic prostitutes and charity girls attracted the concern and attention of progressive reformers and military officials during World War I. So this was definitely going on in World War I. And there was an excitement around war, too. In a way, now we see war as just bad. And I'm definitely not saying it's not. It's horrific. It's archaic. Like, do, do we not have a better way yet? But 
there's also this energy of evolution and this energy of the country would hype up these soldiers like they were doing the greatest fucking thing in the world and the women wanted to be a part of that excitement too and what is what does the word excitement mean to excite to ignite passion blood flow increase of energy so there was just a natural increase of energy around um the adrenaline spikes and excitement of going to war. One thing that comes into play a lot around sex and fighting is the word passion. And passion comes from, the word passion, its origin comes from the Latin word patty, which means to suffer. That there is this ancient spiritual sacred energy around suffering where suffering allows us to deeply feel and if we're higher dimensional beings who incarnated in these avatars to experience emotion to experience reality then truly we came here to feel and a way to feel deeply is through the energy of suffering and we suffer the deepest when we love and when we've lost love and when we fight, we have passionate sex that has a twinge of suffering in it. And sometimes some people get more turned on the more suffering or danger there is within the sex energy. Studies suggest that the Victory Girls were young married women. Literature in the 1940s portrayed Victory Girls, also known as khaki wackies, good time Charlottes, free girls, grass grabbers, as single girls and as part of the larger problem of sex delinquency. So it's very interesting. First, these, these women were put on a pedestal of being patriotic and brave and doing a service for their country by opening their legs wide open. Well, just like we treat most sex workers, that quickly became demise for the victory girls where we became in judgment of them and we as americans punished these women and and claimed that they spread a sort of sexual delinquency throughout america's culture that they were teaching women to be too loose and they started getting sort of shunned in society. And I'm getting this information from encyclopedia.com, Victory Girls. So I read some quotes from there. I just want to state that. Encyclopedia.com, Victory Girls. Here's another quote from that website. The Victory Girls demonstrated a pervasive sexual double standard. The military turned its attention to warning servicemen about the danger of the girl next door and repressing women's sexual availability. And encouraged by the SPD, cities across the country subjected women and girls 
be arrested on moral charges to mandatory venereal disease and detained them for several days or longer while awaiting the results. So these women were told, you are patriotic. And then all these people were having sex with each other. The patriotic women were having sex with the soldiers. The soldiers were having sex with each other. The soldiers were having sex with animals. There was extreme sexual starvation in World War II. And naturally, viruses started spreading because we're humans on Earth and viruses exist as part of our human experience. So STDs spread and the women were being blamed for it and they were being arrested until their STD test came back as positive or negative. If the STD test came back as negative, they were free to go. And sometimes if a woman's STD test came back as positive, she was detained for a longer period of time and subjected to ill treatment. Even though this was not easy for the victory girls, they saw it as their way of participating in the war and they, a lot of them saw it as a double-edged sword, that it was going to come with its own dark side, but they wanted to support their country. We have a natural affinity towards community as human beings, and I think that's part of our galactic nature, is to be one with the universe, with each other. And this was the Victory Girls' way to participate in the betterment of humanity and support the community of their country and the matrix will always punish those who come together in community but just because the matrix punishes us does not mean we succumb to the matrix it means we we rise above we tap into our power more there is such a big connection between fighting and fucking and i could ramble about this all day but i think i'll leave you with an energy of freedom an energy of protection that when we fight we must tap into our power our spiritual power our sacred rage and our spiritual protection and how do we tap into this power through ritual through cleansing through communication with our higher self. And we can use different elements within the earth for our magic. Metal can often be connected to the element of war. And you can use metal and coppers as spiritual protection during times of war. There's great devastation in it. But whenever there's great devastation or trauma, there's also a key to unlock our powers. And sex has been used as a weapon in war, but sex can also be used as our tool for the greater good. Sex can be used as a way to empower and protect ourselves. Like Josephine Baker, sex and sexuality can be used to spy, to conquer, to elevate. Our poison and our pleasure are deeply connected. There is a fighter in each of us 
There is a lover in each of us. And I am not advocating violence and I am not advocating abuse. What I am advocating is that each of us takes time to get to know the violence within our own bodies. And even if we're just violent to the plants that we chop down or a tree we chop down or the animals we eat, or maybe we're only violent with the thoughts we have about ourselves. But there can be such a beautiful relationship when we connect to the part of us that does carry the violence. When we connect to the part of us that does carry the anger. And then when we can be honest that sometimes that anger can lead us to feeling aroused. We came here to understand ourselves, to learn the codes of the earth for the galactic realm. The best way to learn the codes is to ask the different versions of thyself. When we learn thyself, we learn each other. When we love thyself, we love each other. Thank you for listening to Horror Pod. Thank you so much for supporting me, for supporting HorrorPod. If you want to be a part of the weird community I am creating, please join our Patreon, Patreon slash Lacey Free. That is a way to support HorrorPod and keep HorrorPod alive. Also, please like, subscribe, and give HorrorPod a beautiful review if you would like reviews help me um sustain the podcast they also help me get cool guests to come on the podcast so please leave me some reviews on spotify apple itunes google and love yourself when there's fighting in the world this is a great reminder to go Fuck yourself in the most pleasurable, desirable way. Sometimes we need sex to create new energy. Sometimes we need sex to cope with the trauma. You are sexually powerful. And when we tap into our sexual power, we tap in to the creators. We are. I love you. Who are the witches? Where do they come from? Maybe your great-great-grandmother was one. Witches are wise, wise women, they say. And each and every one of us are witches today.